Blog Talk Radio. Priestess and the Cauldron, a podcast featuring Elvira Love and Phoenix LaFay, two out-of-the-room-closet professional witches with over 70 years combined experience of making magic. This is a show on the LMC Radio Network. During each show, Elvira and Phoenix will help you create rituals, make spells, make potions, and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away. Here we go. Yay! We're off and away! (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to keep my enthusiasm up because, you know, this week we're doing our live broadcast and the next week we'll have a pre-record because your daughter is graduating high school and I will be with another one of our readers doing the Project Grad Night event and I'm trying to get my, you know, build the momentum of enthusiasm so I can ride that through the long hours that it'll be to do this, you know, because it's fun, but it's still long hours and it's late into the night or early morning. It is. It is. Yes. yes. But I will miss you being my co-partner in crime and, and fun there. So yeah. Yeah, I know. It'll be good. So, yeah. so what's been going on on your end of the world this week? Um, This week, I've been very cranky. <laughs> well, la-dee-da-da, and that's good, too. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what's up. I don't know if it's astrological or what, but I've just not been in the most pleasant of moods. And, uh, you know, someone mentioned it was the full moon in Scorpio, and I was like, sure, let's blame that. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little cranky. Yeah, and then I also got um, the next set of, of edits back on my book, on the What is Remembered Lives book. Um, and so I've been very nervous about how long that's going to take, you know, like I get a page of, of questions and, and notations and like, and questions like, okay, you, where's your citation for this thing that you said? And um, it was a little bit intense, but it, it didn't take me as long as I thought I've already finished it. You know, I've been kind of oh, like stressing out looking, looking at my schedule. How am I going to get this done? And then today I talked to uh, the the marketing person at Llewellyn about, you know, how we go about all of that. And I so I have more homework as far as that goes. And that feels a little daunting because I am 
I am not good at the self um, the self marketing thing. I'm not good at uh, going, hey, look at this thing I did. It, it makes me kind of uncomfortable, honestly. So I'm I'm feeling a little daunted by okay. that task. But you know, it'll be it'll all be good. And then uh, I did finish my second manuscript, and I got that turned in. I don't know if I mentioned that already, but I am pretty stoked about that. Like I, so all of a sudden I have some some space in Mm -hmm. my calendar. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't have this massive project that's due um, or looming over me. You know, so that feels nice. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But and all that comes in a week of being kind of cranky and. You know, there's the my my stepdaughter graduated from Sonoma State University last weekend, and it was pouring down with rain. Uh-huh. And the the very fancy um, event space where they hold the graduation has very limited indoor seating, and so the students each get two tickets. And I'm her stepmom, so mom and dad got tickets, which is totally understandable. Uh, so me and my daughter were outside, <laughs> like two little wet ragamuffins in the rain <laughs> with all the other people. There was, you know, a couple hundred people out there with us, uh, but it was very cold and wet and a, a little sad. Um, and then, you know, we're we're getting ready for my daughter's high school graduation this coming week, and we're going to have family in town, and we're having a party the next day for all the graduates, and you know, there's a there's a lot of fun stuff going on, uh, so I'm trying to just focus on all the fun stuff and not on the fact that I'm kind of cranky. Ah, I can understand that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, oh, wow. I'm as I say, um, it's just the the end of the school year is always daunting to everyone. I know. Mm-hmm. You know graduations and then all the you know the family gatherings and the little parties and then the you know the things that they get to do the kids get to do if they're going to be doing like what I was saying project grad or some other thing and you know it's just like oh my god and then you're into June and suddenly you're into summer and it's like oh yeah okay yeah yeah it's fast it moves fast yes it does it does You've got a lot of vested things in it too, and your store is, you know, just hopping and popping and doing its thing. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. We had a class last night, and that was so fun. Um, mm-hmm. I did a, a workshop on charms, amulets, and talismans, and I talked about the subtle differences between these three things. And then I had all of these fun supplies and baggies and clay and herbs and charms so people could make their own little magical objects and I you know milk and honey when we host classes we can we can squeeze 25 people into a workshop but that's really uncomfortable and like 15 is my sweet spot I really like having 15 people because it's it, it feels very full, but it's not so full that you feel like you're crammed in like a sardine. And mm-hmm. I, um, I had, I had about 10 people signed up, which is lovely. That's a, you know, 12 is my, is my f- most favorite number for a class, but 15 is good. And then at the last minute I had like 10 more people register and I was, I, I had to shut it down. I had to turn people away because I didn't have enough room. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> hey, that means there'll be a 
charms and uh, amulets and talismans, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. someone said, when are you doing this again? And I was like, oh, geez. How did they not enjoy the fall? I know. Well, you know, there yeah. you go. It's, it's always the, uh, the interesting times that we live in, and I think that for us, that's really good. It makes me feel good that we are hitting that kind of audience, that kind of yeah. demand. And I just yeah, I love it. Wow, that's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it makes it nice. So, well, that's yeah. excellent. And I know you How and you Leon are. Over? Oh my, my weekend or my week, or wherever I've yeah. come from. <laughs> well, um, it was good. I've been. How do I say this? I'm not cranky. I can't use that as a statement. But I've been, the word that my husband used to use was out of sorts. Yeah. And that that kind of fits how I felt. I wasn't angry. I wasn't depressed. I wasn't sad. Um, I was parts of all of those things, you know, but not anything really big, but just definitely out of sorts. And uh, you and I were talking uh, before the show began about energies that are out there in mm-hmm. specifically the area we're living in and, you know, what's happening um, weather-wise, barometers and, you know, the, the earth uh, movement because we are on fault and we are very much part of, you know, having things like that happen even if they're not big quakes, they still kind of move the the, the the earth, and we feel it even under um, a low vibrational hum. So I know that I was feeling that too and, and kind of going, well, is this just me or is the, have you been feeling it? And you kind of said, well, it just started today. I felt it. And so I went, okay. So, but, you know, other than that, it's, as I said, trying to ride a high energy for next week because I'm going to have to kind of, amp it all up by the end of the weekend to make sure that I keep going and just sort of, you know, jolt way through. Some of my shows ended that I love so dearly for the, for the hiatus. <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, uh, it's always fun when you, when you have a certain kind of show that you like. And I like detective shows. I like, um, you know, when I say, like, I loved Indiana Jones and, you know, the, 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 the the concept of looking for something and then finding it, whatever that is. And, and I'm not into the reality shows, really, but I right. love other scripted ones. And it's like pitting me against, you know, do you know? And so it's been really interesting because a lot of my shows that are like that are, of course, as I say, ending for the, for the summer. And, and I'm like, okay, who's doing what and where are they meeting us and, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's been on the, the fun side of it. And, the other is just, you know, prepping for vacation times coming at the end of June and, you know, all mm-hmm. the things that you need to do beforehand because I always like leaving a clean house. Um, <laughs> so it it behooves me to start looking at what I need to tidy up, you know, in advance. But, right. Yeah. Yep. Kind of that. And then I always find something that I – get involved in where I'm going to throw away a bunch of stuff, you know, like I've had this for 13 years. Why am I still keeping it? That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That seems to be going around right now. Yeah. So, but mm-hmm. 
we have, you know, um, several shows we're going to have pre-recorded. Um, we actually are having one next week because of the, what we've been talking about, graduations and all. But um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to all of the, the uh, topics we've chosen. And um, the one we have tonight, obviously, you know, is the Nordic uh, sun goddess. And uh, it's interesting, when I started doing my research, of course, you know, I started looking up, you know, what we had discussed, and then I found, well, it's all these other names that that kind of dovetail in to it, Mm -hmm. from Sol to Suna to Sula, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, so um, I'm going to let you take off on that one and start start the the show on um, the names and the, and the, the background of this goddess. Sure. Sure. So, sure. so yeah. So t- tonight, tonight we're talking about the Norse goddess Sol or Sana. Um, and the thing to remember uh, as we talk about deities, we have to get a little insight onto their culture and origin. And it's really easy for modern people, especially us witchy and pagan folk, to uh, take this word Sana, the Soul, and say that it's this one goddess. But this has old Germanic influence as well as Norse influence as well as a little bit of Icelandic influence. Uh, so we have to remember that too. That's where some of these names come from. Sol, S-O-L, is Old Norse for sun. Mm-hmm. Sana mm-hmm. is Old German for sun. So, you know, it's not um, – the name isn't anything that poetic. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. This is how it is. <laughs> And that's that's something I find really um, interesting and fascinating about the old gods. And 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 I'm honestly I'm not sure whether Sunna is Aesir or Vanir. I I feel like she's got to be Vanir, which is a member of the old god regime. But I'm mm-hmm. having a hard time finding proof of that. So um, you know, I'm sure more digging. I'll discover it tomorrow when I'm when the radio show is long done. But uh, you know, the old gods, and I always bring up the Greeks because most of us know the Greek stories, but, you know, there's the Titans, and the Titans were the forces of nature, and then Zeus came and brought rule and order and patriarchy. Yay, Zeus. Well, the same thing happened in the Norse and Germanic pantheons. There were the Aesir, the old gods, the forces of nature. Freya is one of the old gods. She's the goddess of fertility. Uh, and then Odin comes. Wotan or Woden, depending on if you're in Norway or Scandinavia or Iceland or Germany, and he brings order and rule and patriarchy. Yay, Odin. So it's a very similar shift of culture. Right. Uh, but the old the old gods are are um, their their allegiance is obvious. You know where Iduna is a different Norse goddess, and she's. She controls immortality, and you might not know that by just hearing her name, but when you hear the name Sunna or you hear the name Soul, you get that it's about the sun. It's, mm-hmm. it, it, it is a name for that giant ball of fire in the sky. Right, right. Yeah. And I know that in doing a lot of, I mean, because, of course, you've got the mythology, and then you have the stories, and obviously a lot of what we are getting are from the poetic Edda and the prose Aida. Is it it both prose and poetic, but they're two different um, poetry or poems 
and part of the the story of how the sun, and then, of course, we add the moon, because even though we aren't talking mm-hmm. about the moon as per se, it becomes a masculine energy, whereas the feminine energy is, is the sun, which is... Right, which is rare. Yes, very rare. I would probably say it's more rare in what we would call <laughs> the second generation, which, you know, in terms of, of um, the, and talking Greek, the, uh, the Olympians, because if right. you're looking at this particular group, it's very primal, and in the primal, it is the nurturing or the growing energy, so the sun right. becomes that which brings it, and so they, they feminized it. But then it gets turned around in the next generation down, which, lucky us, becomes more patriarchal, and then, and I meant that sarcastically, um, yeah. that it, it changed it. So, right. Um, and, it, 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 well, and, and I think it's important to think about, too, how um, bleak it is in those countries. You know, they're, they're beautiful, obviously, but their winters are long, and, uh-huh. um, and the night is long. And how uh-huh. you can't grow anything without the sun. You know, how the, you get vitamin D from the sun, and although the ancient Norwegian people probably didn't know that, they did know that being outside for a certain amount of time was healthy um, right. and absorbing that energy was, was good for you, you know? So that is how I think of how important the sun was. And a, a lot of the writings about her refer to how beautiful she is and, and think about how beautiful the sun would be after you've been trapped for three months indoors oh, yeah. because of the weather <laughs> and there's literally no sunlight, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, they, they, the, the myths go into, you know, um, where she was created, you know, where the sun, because before everything, and, and again, I'm going to lead you to give the actual names because you have a better grasp of that, but I, it's kind of like for me hearing, well, before time, before the ex, the actual, when it just, everything got created, Nobody had a duty. Nobody knew what the hell they were doing. And so um, mm-hmm. eventually they got assigned things. And out of right. that kind of structure, they then made myths about the, and put stories as to why this happened. And mm-hmm. I, that's a lead in to you to, to go with what you probably already have about the different levels of where in the um, – uh, I think it's prose edda how it goes into uh, a certain uh, poetic way of describing where they come from, whereas, you know, the uh, other one is more like, oh, and this is what happened, and this is what happened, and, and you know, it's pretty, but we're not making, you know, it kind of gets embellished later. Right. So. Are you talking of what are you wanting me what am I wanting you to do? Well, I know that, and this is where I'm, I'm, I'm leading. It's like, okay, I'm going to be the one that kind of hands this off, is the idea that in the, the prose edda, they basically take the, the concepts of these, you know, they make stories out of it. So the two mm-hmm. children of this one individual who technically his name means the one who moves according to particular times, and they made this whole thing up, but it was before that that it talks about where they actually came from. 
um, originated as a spark from oh. an Ulta. Yes. The Muspelheim. Muspelheim. There you go. I knew yes, you'd get yes, it. Yes. Yeah. So, so in, in the North system, yes, in the North system, everything is is part of Yggdrasil, the World Tree, and there are nine realms in the World Tree, and one of them is where we live, uh, you know, the the humans, and then there's Hell where the dead go, and there's Midgard and Asgard and Vanaheim and um, where the Jotunheim, where the ice giants live, and blah blah blah. One of the places is Muspelheim, Muspelheim, um, and I've seen it spelled many different ways, and I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but I'm close. But this was like the primordial ooze. This is the land of of, of nothingness, um, and this is where much of what was created came from. You know, one of the stories is is Odin came across a, a giant and he chopped the giant up and threw his body into all these different places and created mountains and and stones from his bones and the oceans are his blood and you know it's quite it's you know it's quite um gruesome. intense <laughs> is a perfect word well, a, yeah. a lot of the Norse stories are very gruesome so that's another thing to keep in mind it's a harsh culture from in that regard uh, but during this time, when when Odin is creating the land, a spark flies out from from uh, Muspelheim, from this land of fire and ice, the the land of of beginnings and endings, the the mm-hmm. primordial ooze, and mm-hmm. it creates the sun and the moon. Right. Um, and the the sun and the moon, and, and we see this repeated in many other cultures as well are carried on chariots and the chariots are um, manned, womaned by, in this culture, Sana for the sun and um, what the heck is her brother's name? Mani for the Mani. moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they follow each other around, but they're brother and sister, you know, in some cultures they're like, have their unrequited lovers who are constantly chasing each other. But in, in the Norse system, they're brother and sister, but they're both being chased by a wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, skull, the first wolf. Skull is the, is the sun, and there's another one for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the moon has its own sun. Yeah. I mean, wolf. Wolf. <laughs> the moon has its own sun. <laughs> I like that. Um, uh, it's, so, it's, here it goes. It's Hati, and oh my goodness. Whole bit this sun. So that's nice. the moon's the name of the the wolf for the moon. Well pulled because I I can't find it in my notes. So there you go. Okay. Well, it just happened that I was looking and it was going. Oh, there's skull, but then there was while the moon is pursued by and it's hati h a t i and then this incredibly long um, tongue twister for the the non Germanic.
when we were to we would if you were to look at the Celtic and the the, the Irish and the Scotch, they probably they too have it. It's not as um, I think it's not as constant that was brought up all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. But it when you get to the the, the Mediterranean, I think they kind of they lost interest in everything like that. They stopped meaning. <laughs> Not that I agree with it, but it, it kind of petered out, so to speak. And I really like the idea that they give these these things names, animals names, right. chariots have names. I guess they even have a, um, what is it, a shield um, that mm-hmm. they um, basically named Stalin. And, mm-hmm. you know, in front of the chariot, you know, frontal position, so that the... Um, Energy does not burn the, the the land and the sea because of such intensity of the sun. So yeah, yeah. So there's that. Yeah. And anything else you want to talk? I mean, because they get into kind of like the minutia of everything here. I was really mm-hmm. kind of intrigued by how. I mean, when I was saying we don't have, it's very concise. Like this is what mm-hmm. it is. And these are the animals, and this is how it goes, and the sun goes, and the, and the moon follows, and you know it's really um, very intriguing, and I mm-hmm. find it fascinating. So, um, anything that you you know want to talk about in terms of her the in soul's um, mythology as opposed to yeah that. Well, I think it's, uh, before we move on to the, the next kind of thing, I would say we should say what her horse's names are. Oh, okay. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So one is Alvin, which means very fast. And one is Arvac, Arvac which is early rising. Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> and, I know like that, it. you know, fast and, and early. So, Okay. <laughs> That's what the sun does. It gets up early and it's fast across the sky. So, makes sense. <laughs> I think what what's interesting about Norse mythology in general is everything revolves around the end of times. Mm-hmm. Um, it all circles back to Ragnarok, which is you know the end of times. And yes, there is a Marvel movie about Thor and Ragnarok. It is nothing. Mythology is nothing like that movie. Um, but it is believed that when these certain events take place, the world will end, and it will end um, in with fire and ice, and it will be quite terrible and dramatic, and all the gods will die. Uh, and when this happens, Skull, the wolf, will finally catch Sunna and eat the sun. And this will be one of the telltale signs that Ragnarok is coming, or is here. But even though everything is chaotic and, and most people die and the gods will be dead, Sana's daughter, who some people say is Sana, <laughs> uh, will then take over and the next age will begin. And, you know, some people say the next age will be the, the age of peace and blah, blah, blah. And I think, you know, that's, that's a nice sentiment. I don't know that that's true or if that's just modern witches and pagans praying that our world might get better before our sun explodes. Um, but uh, a lot of Norse mythology revolves around this. So Sunna is one of the very first of the gods, and she's also one of the last because she, 
her the sun being eaten, her finally being caught is uh, a signal that we've reached the end of time. Right, right. Yeah. And that it's, it's um, and of course, we can't forget, um, since we are actually, these are like brother and sister, um, Mani is also, his wolf catches up to him and eats him too. So, you know, they don't go out with one staying and the other one leaving. So both of them are devoured mm-hmm. um, at Ragnarok. And I really, I really love the idea because, she gives birth to a daughter who takes on her um, her job, so to speak, as a second son. A second son, S-O-N, S-U-N, is born, mm-hmm. and the daughter is the the one who is in charge of that. And and to me, that yes, it leaves us with a happier thought. But in reality, if you look at the actual astronomical aspects of stars exploding and then things happening and new stars being born and a new system being set up, it's really very profound as to how stars and solar systems and and planets and things actually come and go in, um, in their lifespans of whatever length of thousands and hundreds and millions of years. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in many traditions, you know, I know this is true in Hinduism, this is true in Buddhism, and and, uh, and a few African lineages. There, in Mayan culture, there is this cycle of time and of things coming to a close, and one age ending and the next age beginning. And um, you know, like the in Hinduism, I think it's Indra. Every time he opens and closes his eyes, the universe dies and is reborn. So you know this con this concept of of re- regeneration or or reincarnation even is something that's found in a lot of cultures that one age will come to a close and another age will be born from it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's her father. You know, uh, again they they kind of throw that in as well. Her father thought she was so beautiful; she was named Soul, and and her his her brother was Monty and you know that they he had hubris you know to do this and the gods punished the the father and the children by the way by making them do these duties and again that right. I think is a little bit uh, do I want to say patriarchal in a negative way um, like we're punishing you for being so egotistical and it's it's I like it better when they, they decide, well, this is what your job is and, and go do it and you know you're keepers of time because in truth the sun and the moon are keepers of time. And if right. their father originally was, you know, part of that cosmic time beyond time almost, you know, in terms of that, it would make sense rather than the other one, which gets a little bit, you know, I think negative and, and eh. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you know, so. Yeah, and I they also all- think it's not really common in Norse mythology for the gods to punish people like that that's very greek you know so that feels like that feels like a stretch to me it's not really that's not the relationship the relationship is harsh but it's not um it's not punishing just for punishing sake like you often find in greek stories yeah i don't like i don't like that elvira i I don't like that at all well i don't either (laughs) that's why i mentioned it so we could do a throwaway on it and go nah not on (laughs) it you know that kind of thing, but 
And it's interesting because they're talking about that, according to some lore, that soul regards her eternal race across the sky from the wolf that chases her to be a game of fun. I mean, in a, in a way, revisioning, you know, this whole process and, and playing at it. So I like that, yeah. too. I think, you know, kind of got I like a, that, a, too. Yeah. So, yeah, but, and there's the whole, um, you know, now we have an eclipse because the because Skull caught her and got a little bite, you know. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it's interesting because they have a different view, and I wonder – as you say, it's colder up there, and people think of mm-hmm. these things as more precious, more important. Yeah. Um, but when you get to the Mediterranean, you know, you've got a lot more common sun and common heat and common, you know, it's common, it's there. It's it's very irregular to have, you know, super cold and, and you know, long winters and everything like that. So mm-hmm. um, you can see where geographically, the the dynamics actually creates the the around the aspects of the elements in nature and the cosmos and creates a different viewpoint. So right. you know, I I'm looking at it differently than I used to when I would just say, Oh, the Greek gods and the and the Titans and the this and the that and, and you know, I'm seeing because we're doing personally in this show, we're doing a lot of research and a lot of bringing out of different um, deities and, and belief systems and, and all these things, it really makes me realize, you know, where we are in this day and age is to look at things in the big picture and stop being so small-minded about our little world or our little beliefs or our little thing. It's part of this beautiful patchwork and we should honor all the aspects and see the beauty in it. I mean, it doesn't right. mean we're going to become Norsemen but, or Norsewoman, but um, it shows a different viewpoint. And I am, I don't know, it just it feels better to look at that rather, especially in, should I say, this present day an age of people trying to be um, nationalistic and, and, you know, individuals being you know, it's our way, and it's just kind of very old and worn-out consciousness. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. we should take a break, you know? It might oh, be yeah. a good I idea. Oh, yeah, all about breaks. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, we will we'll come take back. a break. And then when we we come back, I want to talk about this, the whole healing thing. Yes. All right. We'll all right. Okay. Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays 4 to 5, 
and The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Lefay, Fridays, 6 to 7. All times specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Ah, that was such there a, we go. a great feed. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So, you were talking about healing. What? What are you going healing. to say here? Yes. Healing. So, something I discovered in my research. So, uh, <laughs> I am I'm super into learning more about folklore and, uh, you know, the origins of folklore and old wives' tales and things like that. I find it immensely fascinating. And a lot of these things have uh, root in paganism. And it, it's many old wives' tales and, and folklore and, and folk tales have survived through the years. And, you know, the, their origins and their original tales are probably vastly different than how they were being told thousands of years ago, but we still get peaks at something. And one of the, one of the people who's been really instrumental in archiving, saving, and locating German and Norse folk wisdom is Jacob Grimm of the Grimm brothers fame. Yes. Um, and he's, uh, you know, like a lot of folklorists, over the ages, including present day, folklorists tend to take what they think is important and build on it. Uh, so it's not exactly scientific, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So there are definitely people who are, are not fans of Jacob Grimm and feel like he's not done an excellent job, but I think he's done a great job. And we can, uh, there's a lot that we take for granted now that Jacob Grimm wrote about or uncovered or, or what have you. And one of the things that I didn't ever, I'd never heard about before I researched for the show today is the Merseburg charms. Um, so Sana oh, yeah. is often, there's one story of her that survived of her doing healing. And basically the, the story is that Balder, who's one of Odin's sons, Balder and Wotan were walking through the forest and Balder's horse hurt his leg and he had a sprain. And so Wotan and Sana and another deity who's not in front of my face right now, so I'm not going to remember, they all sang charms because the, the word charm actually means to sing. They all sang and they healed Balder's horse. And in the Merseburg charms, there it's the only surviving medieval manuscript or magical cells that are examples of old Germanic pagan belief. And they were, they were discovered in 1841, but they were written down, I think, in the 9th century, 10th century, um, by a cleric, of course, because that's who wrote things down. Uh, but it is pagan poetry. And the first poem is about, uh, uh, there's only two poems, so it's, you know, it's kind of sad. The first poem is not the one we are concerned about when we're talking about Sana, but the first poem is about loosening bonds and that there is a specific charm that you can sing that will release you from bondage which is fascinating and we could spend a whole chunk of time talking about that and this is something that has been found in other ancient poems and stories so there's something interesting there but the second charm is about uh, Balder and Odin and Sana and how they sing this charm to heal Balder's horse and right. that um, 
like bone sprain, so bone sprain, so joint sprain, bone to bone, blood to blood, blood, joint to joint, so they may be glued. Uh, And so there is something fascinating here about um, singing, charms, how they can be used for healing, healing medicine, healing magic, old pagan beliefs. And there is something that still survives with Galders in Norse mythology where they sing. You sing things. Uh, you uh, sing the name of things. You say the nickname of things. And it's a way of uh, uh, not, uh, not kennings. That's the word I wanted, kennings. Um, but it's fascinating because there is a trickle of this charm that has uh-huh. survived. Uh-huh. And I am, uh, I'm really excited about this whole prospect. Actually, I'm going to like, this is on my list of stuff I need to do more research on and dig more deeply into because I think it's so neat. And this is also a thing that's repeated in cultures all over the planet. What, what is the mythology of the Druids or the pre-Druids really building Stonehenge that they sang the stones into place? Clearly, we've lost some knowledge here. <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. Um, mm-hmm. And it's funny because you know I was reading that, and that you, you know, it was like I was reading that particular um, thing about kenning, and it, it reminded me of the, the word keening. But you know, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the when people die, they keen. You know, people will keen over the energy of you know, and it is. And if you think about what you just said. You take and loosen the bond to allow the individual being, energy, soul, spirit, to leave the physical body and to go into the afterlife, whatever version we are talking about. And I was, you know, just when you were talking about it, I was going, yeah. And the idea that we do that in a specific way for each tradition, but generically speaking, it's done all the time we just you know we've lost in the western culture we have lost a lot Mm -hmm. of that i guess if you want to get into a little bit stretching it here if we're talking about um you know the chanting that is done either by the hindus or the you know the the asian culture the chanting and the the energies of that Mm -hmm. and um the uh and now it's going to go off into the the nether regions, the uh, Gregorian chants, you know, when you're talking about chanting, you're using the same thing for whatever Mm -hmm. the purposes are of that. So I think that that is, it is not a lost art. I think it's just a slumbering art. Yeah. Yeah. And there is, um, there is these black books that are found all over the Scandinavian countries. And if you're into this stuff, I would recommend, Oh, Johannes, what is, Johannes Gardbach wrote a book about, what, do you remember what Johannes' book is called? Is it Swedish Folk Magic, something like that? Um, I'm looking to see in my notes if he is mentioned as scholar. But Johannes um, teaches about Swedish folk magic from a modern perspective, and his book is filled with these collected spells from black books. People all over Scandinavian, Scandinavian countries would keep black books where they would put their charms, their incantations, their spells, their recipes, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, and this book is filled with them. It's fascinating. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I don't have it in any of my notes, so you're ahead of me on that one. (laughs) Yeah. But it is someone who 
definitely, if this is something that has been put out, is to fall, you know, to, to really get into it, to really look into it and find what talks to you, what speaks to you. Because, again, and I, and I guess we've said this on many, many shows and many times, um, we all, and ultimately, we all have the same creative spark. Ultimately, right. we have the same patterns coming from the mainstreams of migrations of uh, the different cultures, i.e., you know, African, Scandinavian, Mediterranean, Asian. Um, there's there is a common a common one, and they've been looking for this and. And to some degree, they feel that they found it, but a common genetic pattern that we all came from this one, you know, or a particular group uh, of beings that that began to diversify and go out uh, into different areas. And that would mean that I feel that we can, I don't want to say appropriate, because, you know, first of all, the Nords, most of the traditional Nordic ancient Nordic uh, beliefs and, and uh, things that you would do aren't practiced. They, they, were, right. they, were, they either went so far underground that people forgot about them or they changed to fit into a world that would kill you if you did that. So it became overlaid with other stuff. And in one way, I would say, we can find the commonality, but we can also start looking at what each culture actually has and find the healing aspects, the the um, the different ways of chanting or keying. And you know, I think at this point, that is really important. And so, if a if a particular deity speaks, and we've talked about this before, it doesn't mean you are wrong for connecting with them. It does mean, though, that there needs to be sort of a sense of how and why it's happening. Like, um, I'm sure with my genetics in Scotland and, and that area that, you know, I've got Nordic blood, you know, somewhere mm-hmm. that came somewhere into one little person that, you know, may not be more than a drop or two. But um, so I could feel comfortable connecting, but I feel um with respect, obviously, to all of us. But um, it's exciting. I, I'm really glad you brought yeah. that up. That's really kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. You know, and I think, uh, Johannes, I found the title of his book. It's Trolldom, which is the Swedish word for magic. Um, okay. And, you know, I, I, I was taking a cursory glance at some of the reviews that it has online, and there are quite a few people who are upset about the book because it's not about ancient Norse magic. It's not, because most of that information has been lost. It's right. a book of, uh, of what you can find now of the practices of the last 500 years after Christianity took hold in those parts of the world. Anyone who says that they have a source of magic that is purely from pre-Christian is full of beans. I just yeah. needed to say that out loud. <laughs> Every, everything was written down by Christian monks, so you just got to take it for what it is. <laughs> exactly, because it got changed. Guess what? Yep. Um, yep. And no matter what we want to do about being 
you know, and again, I'm kind of air quoting it, purist, it doesn't work that way. It can't work right. that way, you know. No, and, sadly. Yeah, I know. Interesting, one of the things that they, they actually talk about are the rock carvings that have been found all over the, the uh, Scandinavian and the, the, the bronze, you know, their artifacts of the Bronze Age, the artifacts, but there's one particular one, and it's Trundholm Sun Chariot. It was from the Bronze Age, and they found it in Denmark. And it's basically a horse, you know, in a drawing, a chariot, with a very large sun on it. So mm-hmm. they they do show and find that a lot of the the uh, paint the things that record the energies about what the sun is and the myths around soul and being female. So they, they also point out that a lot of the drawings are the rock carvings are female. So take that one and put it in your rock hat. So. Nice. Yeah, hey, yeah. But um, also there are a lot of names that she goes by, you know, the, the soul. And, and um, I'm trying to find some of them. I'm sure you have them, too, that she is um, basically, uh, where are you here? Um, they talk of her as sunshine, um, mm-hmm. uh, the everglow, um and gosh, here we are. I'm not even going to try that one. It starts with a D, but, you know, mm-hmm. Bright Bride, she's, you know, she's given a lot of um, the Bright Bride of Heaven. The interesting one is Elf Theme. I like that one, you know? Mm. So, Say that again? Elf Beam or Deceiver of Dwarves for those creatures mm. who are petrified by her gaze. So, you know, another... Uh, oh, interesting. Petrified by her gaze because you have to think, what, like, where did you say Elfane? Yes, Elf, E L F, then yeah. Beam, B E A M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I like yeah. It. yeah, I thought that was kind of a trip. Like, oh, yeah, okay. And it, and again, you think about her gaze turns them, petrifies the, the creatures that are dwarves, you know, the creatures that are from underneath in the dark, it's kind of like, you know, without being the same kind of uh, mythology is the, the myth mm-hmm. in the Medusa, you know, but the idea that the sun turns, you know, the dark into, you know, into um, light or changes it and stops it from being dark, I don't know, whatever you want to take on that one. So, but nice. Yeah, she 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 actually was very, you know, I didn't know if I was going to feel comfortable doing it because she's got like, you know, I didn't know where I was going to go with this on my side, but the more I read and the more I kind of got a a sense of her, it's like like when we did Amaratsu, she both these energies are solar beings that are female is mm-hmm. about the power, you know, and the 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 beacon of light. So I am taken by this, but I don't know where I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, um, it, it was, you know, they talk about the theories, you know, the idea, of, you know, where um, the, the archaeological processes try to um, 
back up the theories mm-hmm. and the myths and everything, and they come right down to it, and they say, sorry, we can't do that. You know, there's no way that we can definitely make this a hard, fast rule, So, which is echoing what you said, actually. Right, right. Any last thoughts we want to throw out on this? No, you know, I think if this is, the, I guess the last thing I would say is if you are looking to work with this goddess, if you're feeling called, then go and read the the writings about her and the prose and poetic addas, you know, find out all that you can, but spend mm-hmm. time in the sun. You know, mm-hmm. that's, there is some, it is, um, a lot of this stuff is really about the actual thing the the energy of the thing and in this case it's the energy of the sun and and feeling it connecting to it having relationship with it that's going to give you more information than anything else exactly and on Mm -hmm. that i will say that my dogs now every morning they because of the way i have my my front porch they can run out and they can sit on the steps and the sun in the morning now hits the steps and they will sit there they will just, they'll run up and down and they'll do their business and they may bark a little, but then all of a sudden they're really quiet. And, of course, like children, when they're really quiet, I always try to go figure out what's going on so I'm not, you know, taken by surprise on something. And there they are, mm-hmm. sitting in Cute. the sun. Yep. It is nice. Yeah, it is. And um, it's important because it's not just, gives us the vitamin D and the and those aspects, but there is an energy, a uh, transference. So Right. And now that we have it before Absolutely. it gets too hot, you know, I mean, it's like there's a difference between morning sun and midday sun and, you know, afternoon, late, you know, um, early evening sun and feels. Um, mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And that's part of it, too. That's part of understanding how the sun works where you live and developing relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. So with all due respect, we are definitely, um, I'm getting the sun right now. If, you know, when we sit in the same location and where I am and where um, Phoenix sits is I constantly, because of the way the sun is setting, get the sun coming into my eyes and kind of staring mm-hmm. and all, glaring and all. And then we had to pull the curtain, but we're talking about it, and it's at that moment in time where the sun is hitting my eyes, and I'm going, "Thank you, soul. Thank you. I can't see mm-hmm. right now, but thank you." Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of a personal hi, goodbye, kind of a thing, you know. But, yeah. Yeah. So, but, um, and you know, one of the things. And it's funny, you, when you always have a, a show that you do, and then, like you said, you'll think of things after the show is done, mm-hmm. is yep. um, the the concept, and, I, and now I don't have it in my head because I didn't write it down, but we were talking about one of the questions in our Ask a Wish segment that we had, and it was about going invisible or, you know, the idea of um, – becoming, you know, not being a part of what was going on, but then being able to draw a person into where you at instead of, you know, like being around. And I thought about that, and it was, we were trying to see it from different angles, but actually Mm -hmm. it is a way of, you know, being in an environment and being withdrawn from it. 
and still right. being, you know, people can walk around you and, and do things. And you might be aware of, you know, a person, but you're not aware of you. You're not aware of you. So I did right. want to bring that up sort of as a adjunct to what happened is that there is, and I don't think there's a spell. I just think it's a... Um, it's an energy, and I was listening. This is a sidebar. Um, we went last week to see James Redfield at um, San Rafael in a, in a location down there, and he was talking about a specific insight of the, the Celestine Prophecy insights. This is the ninth insight, and then they go further into the tenth in the next book he, he wrote back in the 90s. And that's what drew me to this thought is vibrationally. But that's part of what they, he talks about, and doesn't mm-hmm. tell you how specifically, but it, it it is a way of raising what we would he called then raising the vibration, shifting it to literally not being visible to the denser energies of where you are. So Neat. there can be that, but I think it it takes obviously practice, and but it's not something that you need a degree in or right. any of that. So, right. sidebar to what we Fun were talking about stuff. last week. Yeah, yeah. So, but I think well, we've come to almost the end of our time. I think so. Yeah, that, that wraps it up. Yeah. Wow. Well, obviously. And next um, week there will be a fascinating episode on spirits of the land and the fae. Mm-hmm. And then, then the, there's just more fun to come. Tune in. Yep. Stay tuned on our time and your time. We look forward to connecting on another subject and mystifying you all. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Our podcast airs live every Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific and will be available for download. Questions or comments on this show or ideas for upcoming shows can be sent to our website, and that's at www.witchpriestesscauldron.com. Again, that's witchpriestesscauldron.com. On behalf of Elvira, Phoenix, Alan, and myself, Gwion Raven, a big merry meet and merry part and merry meet again. Blessed be.